Section 15 of Eliah and the Last Essays of Eliah. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sandra Cullum. Eliah and the Last Essays of Eliah by Charles Lamb. Macquarie End in Hertfordshire. Bridget Eliah has been my housekeeper for many a long year. I have obligations to Bridget, extending beyond the period of memory. We housed together, old bachelor and maid, in a sort of double singleness, with such tolerable comfort upon the whole, that I, for one, find in myself no sort of disposition to go out upon the mountains with the rash king's offspring to bewail my celibacy. We agree pretty well in our tastes and habits, yet so as with the difference. We are generally in harmony with occasional bickerings, as it should be among near relations. Our sympathies are rather understood than expressed, and once, upon my dissembling a tone in my voice, more kind than ordinary, my cousin burst into tears and complained that I was altered. We are both great readers in different directions. While I am hanging over, for the thousandth time, some passage in old Burton, or one of his strange contemporaries, she is abstracted in some modern tale or adventure, whereof our common reading-table is daily fed with assiduously fresh supplies. Narrative teases me. I have little concern in the progress of events. She must have a story, well, ill, or indifferently told, so there be life stirring in it and plenty of good or evil accidents." the fluctuations of fortune in fiction and almost in real life have ceased to interest or operate but dully upon me out of the way humours and opinions heads with some diverting twist in them the oddities of authorship please me most my cousin has a native disrelish of anything that sounds odd or bizarre nothing goes down with her that is quaint irregular or out of the road of common sympathy she holds nature more clever. I can pardon her blindness to the beautiful obliquities of the religio medici, but she must apologise to me for certain disrespectful insinuations which she has been pleased to throw out latterly, touching the intellectuals of a dear favourite of mine of the last century but one, the thrice noble, chaste and virtuous, but again somewhat fantastical and original-brained, generous margaret newcastle it has been the lot of my cousin oftener perhaps than i could have wished to have had for her associates and mine free thinkers leaders and disciples of novel philosophies and systems but she neither wrangles with nor accepts their opinions that which was good and venerable to her when a child retains its authority over her mind still she never juggles or plays tricks with her understanding. We are both of us inclined to be a little too positive, and I have observed the result of our disputes to be almost uniformly this, that in matters of fact, dates and circumstances, it turns out that I was in the right and my cousin in the wrong. But where we have differed upon moral points, upon something proper to be done or let alone, whatever heat of opposition or steadiness of conviction I set out with, I am sure always, in the long run, 
to be brought over to her way of thinking. I must touch upon the foibles of my kinswoman with a gentle hand, for Bridget does not like to be told of her faults. She hath an awkward trick, to say no worse of it, of reading in company, at which time she will answer yes or no to a question, without fully understanding its purport, which is provoking and derogatory in the highest degree to the dignity of the putter of the said question. Her presence of mind is equal to the most pressing trials of life, but will sometimes desert her upon trifling occasions. When the purpose requires it, and is a thing of moment, she can speak to it greatly, but in matters which are not stuff of the conscience, she hath been known sometimes to let slip a word less seasonably. Her education in youth was not much attended to, and she happily missed all that train of female garniture, which passeth by the name of accomplishments. She was tumbled early by accident or design into a spacious closet of good old English reading, without much selection or prohibition, and browsed at will upon that fair and wholesome pasturage. Had I twenty girls, they should be brought up exactly in this fashion. I know not whether their chance in wedlock might not be diminished by it, but I can answer for it, that it makes, if the worst comes to the worst, most incomparable old maids. In a season of distress she is the truest comforter, but in the teasing accidents and minor perplexities which do not call out the will to meet them, she sometimes maketh matters worse by an excess of participation. If she does not always divide your trouble upon the pleasanter occasions of life, she is sure always to treble your satisfaction. She is excellent to be at a play with or upon a visit, but best when she goes a journey with you. We made an excursion together a few summers since into Hertfordshire to beat up the quarters of some of our less-known relations in that fine corn country. The oldest thing I remember is Macquarie End, or Mackerel End, as it is spelt, perhaps more properly in some old maps of Hertfordshire, a farmhouse delightfully situated within a gentle walk from Wheathampstead. I can just remember having been there on a visit to a great aunt when I was a child under the care of Bridget, who, as I have said, is older than myself by some ten years. I wish that I could throw into a heap the remainder of our joint existences, that we might share them in equal division, but that is impossible. The house was at that time in the occupation of a substantial yeoman who had married my grandmother's sister. His name was Gladman. My grandmother was a Bruton, married to a field. The Gladmans and the Brutons are still flourishing in that part of the county, but the fields are almost extinct. More than forty years had elapsed since the visit I speak of, and for the greater portion of that period we had lost sight of the other two branches also. Who or what sort of persons inherited Macquarie End, kindred or strange folk, we were afraid almost to conjecture, but determined some day to explore. By somewhat a circuitous route, taking the noble park at Luton, in our way from St. Albans, we arrived on the spot of our anxious curiosity about noon. The sight of the old farmhouse, though every trace of it was effaced from my recollection, affected me with a pleasure which I had not experienced for many a year. 
for though I had forgotten it, we had never forgotten being there together, and we had been talking about Macquarie End all our lives, till memory on my part became mocked with a phantom of itself, and I thought I knew the aspect of a place which, when present, oh, how unlike it was to that which I had conjured up so many times instead of it. Still the air breathed balmily about it. The season was in the heart of June, and I could say with the poet, But them that didst appear so fair to fond imagination, doth rival in the light of day her delicate creation. Bridget's was more a waking bliss than mine, for she easily remembered her old acquaintance again, some altered features, of course, a little grudged at. At first, indeed, she was ready to disbelieve for joy, but the scene soon reconfirmed itself in her affections, and she traversed every outpost of the old mansion, to the wood-house, the orchard, the place where the pigeon-house had stood. House and birds were alike flown, with a breathless impatience of recognition, which was more pardonable, perhaps, than decorous at the age of fifty-odd. But Bridget, in some things, is behind her years. The only thing left was to get into the house, and that was a difficulty which to me singly would have been insurmountable, for I am terribly shy in making myself known to strangers and out-of-date kinsfolk. Love, stronger than scruple, winged my cousin in without me, but she soon returned with a creature that might have sat to a sculptor for the image of welcome. It was the youngest of the Gladmans, who, by marriage with a Bruton, had become mistress of the old mansion. A comely brood are the Brutons. Six of them, females, were noted as the handsomest young women in the county. But this adopted Bruton, in my mind, was better than they all, more comely. She was born too late to have remembered me. She just recollected in early life to have had her cousin Bridget once pointed out to her, climbing a stile, but the name of kindred and of cousinship was enough. Those slender ties that prove slight as gossamer in the rending atmosphere of a metropolis bind fast as we found it in hearty, homely, loving Hertfordshire. In five minutes we were as thoroughly acquainted as if we had been born and bred up together, were familiar even to the calling each other by our Christian names, so Christians should call one another. To have seen Bridget and her, it was like the meeting of the two scriptural cousins. There was a grace and dignity, an amplitude of form and stature, answering to her mind in this farmer's wife, which would have shined in a palace, or so we thought it. We were made welcome by husband and wife equally, we and our friend that was with us. I had almost forgotten him, but B.F. will not so soon forget that meeting, if, per adventure, he shall read this on the far distant shores where the kangaroo haunts. The fatted calf was made ready, or rather was already so, as if in anticipation of our coming, and after an appropriate glass of native wine, never let me forget with what honest pride this hospitable cousin made us proceed to Wheathampstead to introduce us, as some new-found rarity, to her mother and sister Gladman's, who did indeed know something more of us, at a time when she almost knew nothing. With that corresponding kindness, 
we were received by them also how bridget's memory exalted by the occasion warmed into a thousand half-obliterated recollections of things and persons to my utter astonishment and her own and to the astoundment of b f who sat by almost the only thing that was not a cousin there old defaced images of more than half-forgotten names and circumstances still crowding back upon her as words written in lemon come out upon exposure to a friendly warmth when i forget all this then may my country cousins forget me and bridget no more remember that in the days of weakling infancy i was her tender charge as i have been her care in foolish manhood since in those pretty pastoral walks long ago about Macquarie end in hertfordshire end of section fifteen